everybody. Good morning. Um, so great to be with you. Thank you so much for having us. And um, we are just really excited. We drove from Bedford this morning, left at seven and uh, had a good drive over and just really, really good to be with you guys. Thank you so much for having us. Um, I wasn't going to talk loads about my books, actually, but just to say they're brilliant. And um, yeah, just the leadership one, the new one is really uh, t- talking about my journey of learning what it is to be a daughter of God and the huge impact that has on leadership. That if you lead out of security as a son or daughter, it has a massive impact on how you lead. I used to lead out of insecurity. I used to be very fearful of what people thought. And that all splurged out on the people I was leading. Now I'm learning more and more to lead out of security. And that has a massive impact in terms of releasing the people around me. So it's just a bit of a summary of the book. Um, just to introduce myself a little bit more, um, I am I'm, I'm really glad to be able to fit into the 18 to 25 bracket. Thanks so much for inviting. No, I'm kidding. I'm actually 41. Um, I don't. I know. I don't look it. You don't have to say. But um, but yeah, I, I work for the King's Arms Church. I've been working there for about 20 years now. I um, actually got saved when I was a student. So I was 19 and I did an Alpha course. And God's really met with me, and my life has never been the same since. I currently have the privilege of having a number of hats at the church. Um, I oversee the training for Supernatural Ministry School. I handed it over about two years ago to a guy called Marco, so I'm not actually leading it, but I oversee that, and it's awesome. Basically, we're training training people to do the stuff that Jesus did, seeing God's kingdom come wherever they go, being amazing. So that's really fun. It's a nine-month course, so I oversee that. I'm also responsible for looking at how we can train and release leaders in the church and in the marketplace. So that's really, really fun. And the rest of my time, I get to travel. So I love love visiting different places, different churches, different nations. So in many ways, living the dream. um, But life isn't always easy, is it? As we'll come to discover in a minute as I share what I'm going to share this morning. Um, But I thought, can I start with sharing some stories with you guys? Do you like hearing stories? Okay, good. Um, So, I don't know if you know this, but it's a really good time to be alive. God is doing amazing things. And I I, I wish I could hear everything that God's doing all around the world, but I I hear snippets. And I just thought I'd share a couple with some friends of mine. So, one story, a lady on our TSM team called Caroline, she's very prophetic. And we're just trying to learn to show people Jesus wherever we go. So, she... um, she had a business trip to Guernsey, and she had a full-on, just one-day business trip to Guernsey. And before she went, she felt the Holy Spirit nudge her. And she has, like, these picture postcards, and sometimes she uses them to prophesy over people. So it's just a picture, literally a picture on a postcard, and you get to pick a picture, and then you use the picture to prophesy over the person. Okay? I don't know if it's in the Bible, but it's a brilliant way of prophesying, and it's, it's actually it's fine. It's not tarot cards, so you guys can chill out. Um, it's absolutely legit. Anyway, she felt the Holy Spirit nudge her and say, take your, take your postcards. So she put them in her bag. She had a full day work. She went to the airport of Guernsey to security, and they stopped her, and they had to unpack all of her bag. And so she's a bit annoyed, to be honest, and I would be too. She wants to get home. They're unpacking the whole of her bag, and the lady on security sees the postcards, And she uh, mentions them. And Caroline explains to her, oh, they're my picture postcards. Oh, no, she says, they're my prophetic postcards. Uh, I use them to ask God what he might want to say to people. Would you like a go? And the lady at security is like, yes, please. 
So she picks a picture from the postcards, and Caroline uses this picture to prophesy over the security lady at the security in the airport. And she prophesies about God loving her. She prophesies about how God loves her unique character and her unique gifting, that someone had been critical about her recently, but God just wanted her to know that he loved her. And this woman was totally blown away. I think Caroline said six times. She was like, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And she went on her way at the security line in an airport. Isn't that awesome? I mean, I was so provoked because if that would have been me, I would have been like, just get me home already. But she was just ready for an opportunity at any moment. Another story, um, a friend of mine who's a teacher, we teach on TSM that our words are powerful. Bible says death and life are in the power of your tongue. So we've got to be really careful about what we say. Um, And so we live in a world where lots of people use what they say in a negative way. And essentially they are just speaking death over people. So she's trying to teach her kids, six, seven-year-olds, that their words are powerful. Because she's in a classroom where the kids aren't very nice to each other. So she did this um, activation with them that we do at TSM called Speed Encouragement. Um, It's a bit like speed dating, but rather than dating, you encourage each other. So you get a partner, and you have 30 seconds, and the first person encourages, and then the next person, the buzzer, and the next person encourages, and then you switch down the line, and you do the... Anyway, she taught her kids this activation. They did it in the classroom. And then she, she um, she made shields out of paper, and she got the kids to write on them, my words are powerful. And then she said to them, I want you to write on these arrows truth about who you are. And uh, if, you, if you're struggling to think of anything, stay on the carpet and I'll tell you. And all of them stayed on the carpet. And she went around each of the kids and spoke truth over them. And they wrote these truths on the arrows. And she's put them up on the wall as a demonstration, as like a display in the classroom. Isn't that amazing? Bringing the kingdom in her classroom in school. What was awesome recently as well, she was telling the Easter story to her kids. And one of the kids came up to her in the end and said, Miss, I want to give my heart to Jesus. Now, she's not allowed to pray for him in the classroom, but she told him how to do it. Isn't this right? I'm getting the story right. I'm looking at Kate. She told him how to do it that night, uh, that he could go home and invite Jesus into his heart. And she checked in with him the next day and she said, how's it gone? And he said, oh, I did it, miss. And what did he say? Like, I had a, a warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. A warm, fuzzy feeling in my heart. Isn't that amazing? This is a fun story. Um, I um, had the privilege of speaking at an an event in Southampton not so long ago. And I brought a word of knowledge about someone who had ulcer ulcer problems. And I was thinking about mouth ulcers. Anyway, this lady responded. She actually had um, an ulcerated colon. She had colitis, a very, very difficult and horrible condition. And uh, she said she'd had it for five years the whole of her colon colon was ulcerated and she'd recently been put on a waiting list to have a stoma fitted by her consultant, a pretty major operation. So she responds to this word. She comes up at the end to thank me for the day and I I realised she was the one who'd responded. So I said, can we just quickly pray again? As I prayed for her, God really started to meet with her. Like there was a powerful encounter and something was clearly going on. Anyway, fast forward nine months, I hadn't heard anything. And then I saw, I I got a, a testimony of what God had done. Let me just read it to you. She said, a few months later, so this is after the day, I saw my consultant for my usual checkups. I'd been feeling super well, so I was hoping for good news. To his dismay, the ulcers, inflammation and damage had completely gone. I don't know why he was dismayed about that. That's just weird. He couldn't understand or explain it. The need for my operation wasn't there anymore. I told him what had happened that day, and I believe Jesus had healed me. 
He told me that he wasn't a man of faith, but even he couldn't help but believe it was divine intervention. I still battle with some of the side effects of colitis, but the need for major surgery has well and truly gone. Isn't that amazing? It's amazing. Blows my brain. Jesus literally gave her a new colon. (laughs) You know when the Bible says that nothing is impossible with God, it's actually true. Do you guys know that's not like a sticker to stick on your fridge and look at, oh, yeah, it's true. It's actually true. And do you know that he wants to use you and me to do the impossible? Do you understand that? That's why being a Christian is meant to be an adventure. If I ever come across Christians who are bored, they haven't understood what they're called to. there's, There's no reason to ever get bored as a Christian. We are called to see the impossible move out of the way wherever we go. That is true. God's kingdom is advancing. It's already advancing. He's committed to seeing his kingdom come. We just get to jump on the train and partner with him with what he's already doing. And it's amazing to me that he wants to use us. This is what um, Isaiah prophesied about the kingdom of God in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 7. It says, of the greatness, or some translations say increase, of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. In other words, Jesus is very passionate about his kingdom advancing all over the planet. It's a done deal. It is going to happen. He's passionate about it. What blows my brain is he wants to use you and me to do it. It's absolutely astounding to me. If that doesn't blow your brain, you don't understand what bringing the kingdom means. Because it's amazing. He wants to use you and me to heal the sick, raise the dead, see people set free from spiritual oppression, come to know him, bring peace, comfort, joy, justice wherever we go so that society is changed one life at a time. In your workplace, in schools, in the NHS system, in businesses, in government. That's why we need Christians, not just in the church. The church is to get trained. We need to send people to do the stuff outside of the church. So I just, I want to stir your faith this morning that God wants to use you. And what I want to talk about actually is, is this. You, God wants to use you to see his kingdom come wherever you have influence. And if you sign up to this, then you are, you are called and commissioned to live a life where you see impossibilities bow the knee to Jesus. But the thing is this, if you sign up to this kind of lifestyle, if you say, yes, Jesus, I want to be used by you to bring the kingdom wherever I am, you are going to see amazing breakthroughs, but you're also going to have to walk through lots of pain because you won't always see the stuff you pray for. The truth is we're in a battle. Do you guys know that? I think we have to teach people that when we say yes to Jesus, we're not saved onto a cruise liner, we're saved onto a battleship. We've got to understand this. If you think you're saved onto a cruise liner and you're sitting in the jacuzzi on the top deck with your pina colada and a bomb gets fired and lands in your jacuzzi, what is going to be your response? Hang on a minute. I didn't sign up for this. You're going to go straight up to the captain, bang on the door, shake your fist and say, what do you think is going on? I didn't sign up for a bomb to come into my jacuzzi. Whereas if you realize that when you get saved, you are saved onto a battleship, when a bomb is fired and it lands in your jacuzzi, 
First of all, you're grateful there's even a jacuzzi there because you don't normally get them on battleships. But secondly, your response is what? I've been prepared for this. I'm going to get my gun out and I'm going to start firing back. I'm in a battle. I'm going to fight back. So many believers, as soon as trouble comes, as soon as they don't see the breakthrough they're praying for, give up, shake their fists at the captain. This is not what I signed up for. No, you did. You're in a battle. We are in a battle. The great news is Jesus has won. Jesus has won. He's defeated the enemy. He's out of the grave. He's a king of kings. Every enemy is under his feet. And one day he's going to make everything new. In the meantime, we are called to bring his kingdom wherever we go. We will see amazing breakthroughs. We will have to also walk through difficulties. Let me just um, illustrate it to you. A few years ago now, my mum was diagnosed with cancer. And she was diagnosed with uh, bowel cancer. And um, unfortunately, it had spread to the liver. And um, I didn't know anything else to do other than pray. Obviously, love her, talk with her, see how she's doing. But I just went after it. I was like, no, I hate cancer. So does Jesus, by the way. And Jesus has defeated it. Anyway, I just started praying. Jesus, I just spoke healing over my mum. And um, she had to have chemotherapy. And um, she had various different treatments. It was a year-long process and um, a hard process for her to go through. But praise God, a year after all the treatment, she was announced cancer-free, which is, I was just so grateful to Jesus. That, guys, right there is the kingdom coming. Because you know whether healing comes through medicine or supernatural breakthrough, it's all God. Do you understand? So, amazing. Thank you, Jesus. Breakthrough. About... Two weeks after we had that news, a good friend of mine and ours at the King's Arms called Zoe Joy Harris, who was in her early 40s, was very suddenly diagnosed with a very aggressive form of cancer. She was an amazing woman, led worship, a pillar in the church, and we did what we only knew to do, and we prayed. We gathered together as a church, we fasted, we gathered together, we turned towards the hospital, we interceded for her, we had prayer rotors, we did all of that stuff, we went after it, because we know we are called to see sickness healed. Within four weeks, she had died. That right there is the mystery of the kingdom. On the one hand, you have someone who gets breakthrough. On the other hand, you have massive loss and grief to walk through. And here's what I'm learning If you can learn to navigate the grief and the pain in a healthy way, and what I mean by that is not squishing it down and pretending it's not there and burying your head in the sand and just plowing on. If you can learn to deal with it in a healthy way and get it out of your system, you can stay in a place of faith and keep praying for breakthrough. As a church, we are still praying for healing from cancer. Why? Because we've dealt with our pain well. And we're still in faith. God is going to heal it. We haven't just turned our back on the pain of Zoe Joy dying. We've dealt with grief. We've worked through pain so that we can still be in a place of faith. So I want to teach you how to do that. And just to say, this is not like a one-off thing. You know, disappointment, when you pray for something to happen and it doesn't happen, disappointment comes in. And disappointment affects our faith. Because what happens is, if you're disappointed about something, if you don't get that disappointment out somehow, 
The next time you're disappointed, it just adds on top of the previous disappointment. And then the next time you're disappointed, it just adds on top of the previous disappointment. Until over a period of time, what happens is because you're so stacked up with disappointment, what ends up happening is you start to lower your faith and expectation of what God could do because you don't want to expect too much just in case nothing happens. So you kind of flatline and you stop expecting miracles and you stop praying for the sick and you stop expecting impossible situations to bow to Jesus because you're just too disappointed and you haven't got it out of your system. And if you are packed full of disappointment, you also don't want to, you don't want to um, encourage other people to expect too much either because you know what it feels like to be disappointed because you're still feeling disappointed. And so you don't promise. You don't overpromise. You don't encourage people to expect great things from God. You don't, you don't get too excited just in case because you're still full of disappointment. And disappointment can come from a whole host of different things. Sickness, job situation, church, family, You're still single and you want to be married. You're married without kids and you desperately want kids. Your marriage is falling apart. I mean, you name it, it can come from all sorts of different things. And if we don't learn how to process it well, it gets stuck in us. If it gets stuck in you, over time, your heart just dries up and you stop feeling anything. And you lower the standard of scripture to your pain rather than dealing with your pain so you can keep asking Jesus for what the Bible says can happen. Is this resonating with anyone? And what I'm going to teach you now is not a one-off thing. The the, the sad truth is, if you deal with disappointment today, you are not done for the rest of your life because you still have to live your life, okay? But the great news is, is once you know how to do it well, you can keep short accounts with Jesus. And you can deal with your disappointment quickly so that it doesn't stay in your heart. You can get it out quickly so that you can stay in a place of faith and keep expecting. No, the truth is, this is painful, but the truth is God is like this. You know, disappointment gets in when we know things about who God is and his nature, but we don't see that happen when we pray. So, for example, the truth is God is healer, correct? Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who is forever the healer. And so we think, well, God is healer, so... I'm sick, or that person's sick, I'm going to pray. And we pray our best prayers, and we think we're full of faith. And we pray and pray and pray. And sometimes we see breakthrough, and sometimes we don't see breakthrough. And when we don't see breakthrough, we start to think, hang on a minute, I thought God was healer. What's happened there? And you just you get disappointed, and you lower your expectation, and you stop praying. I'll give you a classic example. I've had tooth pain on and off for over a year now. I've had multiple treatments. I've got my next one on Monday. I've been praying for over a year for my tooth to be healed. It's a tiny little thing. I get a story through, colitis healed. That's huge. It's the mystery of the kingdom. The only way I can keep asking God in faith for breakthrough for my tooth until either he heals it or the dentist heals it is to deal with the disappointment and the mystery. And God, I don't understand. It's so annoying. And getting it out of my system, I'll teach you how to do that in a minute. Well, we, you, we believe God is provider. True? Jehovah Jireh. That's what he calls himself. I am the Lord who provides. And we have a need. We need a job or we need money. And we pray, God, you are provider. I ask you for provision. I'm praying for provision. And nothing seems to happen. Disappointment comes in. Hang on a minute. What's going on? you really as good as you said you are? Is that really true about you? Should I lower my expectations? We think God is good. And so we pray for 
a husband or wife, or we pray for our marriage, or we pray for whatever, you fill in the blank, and it doesn't work out as we want. And we're like, disappointment gets him. Hang on a minute. You really good, God? And your faith gets lowered. And here's what I have concluded. The Bible doesn't tell us how much of the kingdom we can get this side of heaven. But I want to tell you this. I don't think I'm going to get face to face with Jesus and him say to me, when do you expect too much of me? I honestly don't. I think I'm going to get face to face with Jesus and realize I could have experienced so much more if I just persevered and not given up and gone after that thing and prayed for that thing and expected that thing. That's what I think is going to happen. So, so it's, it's much like writing a psalm, okay? So if you read through the psalms, David is brilliant at this because he often starts his psalms being like, God, what's going on? And then he comes back to, but God, you're good. Often he's just processing. It's like writing a psalm. So if you look at Psalm 13, for example, David starts, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? I mean, he's really going for it. He's in, a, he's in a dark place. He's having a tough time. He's disappointed. He's like, God, where are you? What's going on? And he gets it out of his system. But then later on, at the end of the psalm, verse 5, he says, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Isn't that amazing? I think often what we do in the church is that we think we've just got to keep believing and hold on to the truth. And so we skip the first part of this psalm and we just stick with the end. But God's good. God's good. I'm going through this really tough time. But God's good. Anyone? Can I just say to you, yes, God is good. That's true. But that is an example somewhat of a bit of denial. Because also you're feeling pain. That's okay. It's okay to feel pain. Bible talks about the Holy Spirit being our comforter. There's a reason for that. <laughs> Can't comfort you if you're not honest about how you're feeling. So, first thing to do when you realize I've got some disappointment in my heart, it's attacking my faith, is this. Tell God about it out loud. Express what you're feeling out loud. It's really important to do it out loud because it, it's just visually for me, it's like you just get it out of your system. If I just think about it in my head, it goes around my head and goes back into me. It just cut, doesn't come out. I need to get what I'm feeling out. Sometimes it will feel uh, involve emotion. Sometimes you're just going through the motions. There's no emotion. That's totally fine. But you just got to talk to God about how you're feeling and get it out of your system. And it's really important that... You don't short-circuit this process and too quickly move on to, but God, you're good. You've got to linger in this place and make sure you say everything you need to say to God without filtering it. And this is a challenge, particularly if you're not used to being emotional or expressing emotion. This is a challenge. I still have to discipline myself to do this well because I tend to try and filter what I'm actually thinking and what's coming out of my mouth to make it more acceptable to God so weird. I remember walking up and down outside my house once, processing the pain of being single. It was never the dream for me to be single and not have kids. 
and uh, I was processing with Jesus, talking to him about it and crying about it. And I realized that I was filtering what I was telling him. Like I was thinking words in my head. I won't tell you what they are, but you can imagine. Just use your imagination. I was thinking words in my head, but I wasn't saying them to make it more palatable to God. The crazy thing is he knows what I'm thinking. (laughs) Isn't that so funny? So basically I'm putting on a performance for my father to make it more okay. Trying to be a professional Christian rather than a daughter. You know, if you're a parent one day, if you're a parent in the room, if your kid comes up to you and filters how they're feeling, that's going to be really sad. You want to hear their heart. You don't want the mask. You want to know what's really going on. That's what the father's like. He already knows it, but he wants to hear your heart. He wants to hear what's going on. I like to picture it like this, like a a dad holding their little kid, and the kid is just going for it, like, like they're angry. You ever seen these kind of tantrum... Maybe you, were, maybe you were one of these children, but bashing your fists and kicking and the dad's just holding the kid and he's holding the kid and the kid pauses for a moment to get a bit more energy up and then he's like, ah, I'm mad with you! Or whatever. And it just keeps going until the kid loses, he's got to the end of himself. He's like, I've got it all out. That's the feeling you're looking for. In this part of the process, you want to get to the point where you think, I've got it all out. I've got it all out. I tell you from experience, I have to do this fairly often. <laughs> I tell you from experience, if you don't get to that point, you tend to have to go back to Jesus a bit later to get that last bit out. And it's painful and it's costly, but I want to tell you this, guys. For me, learning to do this has made me feel alive on the inside in a way that I did not feel before. I used to be completely shut down emotionally. Um, The only emotion I felt was anger. I was never taught by my parents how to express emotion healthily. And I've had to learn. So I kept just praying, Jesus, please connect my heart with your heart. I want to feel what you feel. I knew that he was an emotional God, that he felt compassion and pain and anger and joy. And I knew my heart was like, I thought there's something wrong there. If I'm made in his image, I want to feel what he feels. So I just went after it. I want to say to you guys, if you are in the position that I used to be in, where you are emotionally flatlined, I just want to say to you, that is not what God wants for you. You are made in his image and likeness. You are meant to feel. And when you allow yourself to feel and you go on this journey, you will feel deep pain, but you will also feel immense joy. That isn't fake It's not just pretend. It's real. It's deep. It's in your gut. You will feel and you will be alive. And when you worship Jesus and you sing about how amazing he is, you're not doing it just to go through the motions and putting your hand up because now is the time to do it. You're doing it because you feel in love with Jesus. (sighs) Have I convinced you? So don't short, don't short circuit that process. Get it all out your system. Tell him what you need to tell him. Get out. God, I, this, when this happened, I... And see what comes out. And if you're emotionally flatlining at the moment, go on a journey of asking God to connect your heart because it will do you good. Second thing, you can use the Psalms if you need to. If you're struggling to work out what you're feeling, 
Just look through the Psalms. There's so many amazing Psalms. You can look through them and until you hear your own voice. You think, oh, that's what I'm feeling. That is the one. And just camp out in that Psalm. Read it out. Express it to the Lord. Use the Psalms to help you. Thirdly, when you've got to the place of, I've got it all out of my system. Then is the time to get to the end of the Psalm. But God, this is true. This is true. I tell you what. If you start in that place at the beginning, you will be able to declare the truth from your head, but it won't get any deeper because you're packed full of pain. When you've got all the junk out and you feel raw and vulnerable and then you start to declare, but God, this is the truth. It comes from a different place. It's no longer just head knowledge. You know it. You are good. This is true. You are healer. That is who you are. It's not just coming out of your head. Do you understand what I'm talking about? I'm not just speaking out from here. I'm speaking out from you are healer. That is who you are. But you've got to get the pain out first. And I think there is something really special to Jesus when we worship him in the pain and the vulnerability. So when you get to heaven, you will no longer be able to worship through pain because there will be no more pain. Hallelujah. So excited for that day. There will be no more pain. But this side of heaven, you get to worship Jesus through pain. And I think it's a sweet offering to him. Sometimes you can only stand in God's presence. Sometimes you can only say one word. I remember when I had um, a surgery to remove a cyst from an ovary and... Um, it's a long story, but we'd prayed for healing. I thought this is my moment to get healed. It was at risk of being cancer. And in the end, they, had to, they removed the cyst, um, and that was fine. And then several years later, it came back, and they had to remove one of my ovaries. And there was, at risk, there was risk of me having to have a hysterectomy and all that kind of stuff. And I remember going to church and sitting after my surgery, going to church and sitting there. And uh, uh, the song, Blessed Be the Name of the Lord, Bless, Blessed Be Your Name, you give and take away, you give and take away. You know that song? Anyone? How, how many of you know, what I, what I realized in that moment, it's very easy to sing that song when nothing's been taken away. <laughs> Suddenly I was like, my ovary's been taken away. This is painful to sing this song. You give and take away, you give and take away. My heart will choose to say, blessed be your name. I was like, this is costly now. This worship is now costing me something. It's a privilege. I think it delights his heart. So we speak out loud the truth. God, you are healer. You are good. You are with me. You've got me. You've got good plans for my life. You're in my marriage or whatever it might be. You just speak out loud worship to Jesus. The last, the last part of the process is possibly the hardest. And it's to lay down your right to understand what has or hasn't happened. This is hard. This is costly. Okay? Some people think, Jesus, if you just explain to me your plan, your, long, your long-term plan, I could know peace. So if, for me, God, if you could just tell me, am I ever going to get married and have children, then at least I can know, and then I can get on with my life. Or am I going to get this cyst back? At least, could you tell me? At least then I can prepare myself for the future. If I could just know, then I can have peace. But the Bible promises a peace that's very different. And in Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7, Paul says this, Don't be anxious about anything, 
which is a challenge in itself. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In other words, the peace that's available to us from the Father goes beyond our understanding. So in order to access it, you have to lay down your right to understand. If you grasp for understanding, you will not get peace. But if you make a choice to lay down your right to understand and say, God, I don't like this. This is painful. I don't get it. It's mysterious. I wish it was different. But I choose to lay down my right to understand because you're God and I'm not. And you don't owe me anything. And I'm not going to get to heaven and you say, oops, sorry, I messed up. It's just not going to happen. You are completely sovereign and in control. And I trust you. When you do that, God's peace rushes in. I remember um, praying about my mum's cancer. Um, And there was a lot of unmet expectations. So when I heard that she may have cancer, I was praying, don't let it be cancer, God. And then we found out it was. And then I was praying, don't let it have spread, God. And we found out I had had. And I was praying, God, don't let her have to have major surgery on her liver. Just let her have keyhole surgery. And when they take the thing out, let it not be cancer. And she had to have major surgery. And it was cancer. And I was praying, God, don't let her have to have chemo. And she did have to have chemo. All the way through, I was asking for the best, going after it, because I don't know what else to do. God, do this. It didn't happen. God, do this. And I remember processing the disappointment one day in my, in my bedroom. And I told my housemates beforehand, guys, it's going to get noisy. Don't worry, I'm fine. And I went upstairs and I buried my head in a duvet. And I think for the first time ever, I, I processed properly anger. I am still learning how to do anger. Still learning how to do that. But I just got mad. <laughs> I got really mad with cancer, with the devil, I just, I can't tell you what I did. But I let rip. I let rip. Got it all out of my system. Got it all out of my system. Then spoke out the truth. Went through this process. Then spoke out the truth. And then it got to the point of laying down my right to understand. And it was hard. Because when you lay down your right to understand, you can't hold it against God anymore. You can't run up to the captain of the ship and say, what do you think you're doing? You have to let him be in charge and direct the ship you have to trust him and it was costly because I know that laying down your right to understand might not change the situation it's not a formula it's not like I'll lay down my right to understand and then you'll heal my mum no she might get worse who knows but I tell you when I did it the peace of Jesus rushed in peace of intimacy the peace of God rushed in it's a supernatural thing and just before we pray I also just want to say on this, the reason it's so important to deal with this well is because if you don't, you run the risk of getting offended with God. And offense with God will cut you off from what he wants to do in and through you. It's like poison in the heart. And sometimes you'll know you're offended and you can speak to people and you can see. You think you might be offended or stuff comes out of your mouth and you realize I'm offended Sometimes you don't know that you're living with offense. And suddenly something happens and you think something. You think, hang on a minute, I think I'm offended with God. So, for example, after I'd had my surgery to remove the cysts from my ovaries, I I often pray for people who need healing in that area because I'm going after some divine justice. 
I'm like, well, enemy, if you came at me with this, I'm going to take that sword and stick it in your face, and I'm going to pray for anyone who needs healing from cysts on their ovaries. So I was praying and um, heard a story of a girl who had 13 cysts on her ovaries, and Jesus took them all away. And everyone in the room was like, woo! And on the outside, I was like, yeah! And on the inside, I was like, what? <laughs> what? I'm sorry? I'm so- I think I prayed for her. And so I realized, I'm offended with God. I was angry because he did that for her and he didn't do it for me. And so I had to get with him and process and deal with the offense, just like I've explained to you, so that I could come back to a place of really being able to celebrate. It's a great way to tell if you're offended. You can't really celebrate with other people when they get breakthrough. Because your thinking is, what about me? What about me, God? And the thing is this, and this is, I love this. If you can get really good at dealing with the stuff and stopping offense getting into your heart, your biggest area of battle can become your biggest area of breakthrough. So the, the, the very thing the enemy comes to undermine in your life or take you out with can become the sword in your hand if you don't get offended. The very first miracle I saw after my first surgery was a lady who had a lump in her breast and the lump disappeared. You can't do that if you're offended with God. You just stop praying. But if you can take the weapon that the enemy is trying to use against you and say, hang on a minute, no, not having it. I'll take that sword and I'm going to use it against you. It's called sticking, sticking two Christian fingers up at the enemy. It's like sticking two Christian fingers up at the enemy and saying, no, I'm not just going to sit down and take this. Now, if you are suffering with a bad back, for example, find people with bad backs and pray for them. The enemy will hate it. If you're struggling with sleep, find people who are struggling with sleep. Pray for them for breakthrough. If you long to be married, think of people who you know who long to be married and pray for them to meet their husband or wife. Whatever it might be for you, use the thing the enemy is trying to use to take you out. Take it off his hands. Stick it back at him. In other words, from the jacuzzi, pick up your weapon when the bomb fires and fight back. This is really, really key. If you're going to be men and women who see impossible stuff happen, which you should be, you've got to work this stuff through well so that you can keep expecting miracles and breakthrough. I think it would be great for us to respond to Jesus and pray. Father, I just want to thank you for your presence here. And I thank you that you are so eager to come and meet with us because you you love to bring us freedom. And uh, Father, I just want to pray right now that you come and speak to my brothers and sisters about any disappointment that's in their hearts, any offense they have towards you, Father. Just come, Holy Spirit, and shine your light onto every heart that you want to do business with today. Come and show us, Father. Come and show us.